Hello everyone, Squared Circle Sirens is back. Um, our fearless leader is alive um, and we are so excited to be back with you, bringing you another exclusive interview here at Squared Circle Sirens. I am Dennis and I am joined with Casey. Casey, please tell the world you're alive. I'm alive. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, but as much as we could go into Casey being alive, we are here for a very, very special reason. Um, you may know her as the queen of the dinosaurs. I lovingly call her the queen of the little dinosaurs because she's so much taller than the rest of her stable mates, which we will get to later. Um, the one, the only, the lovely Tara Calloway. Tara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm sorry. I think, uh, I think, uh, him being alive is a little bit more important than me, but just just throwing it out there. Minor details, minor details. <laughs> very minor. <laughs> um, nonetheless, we're very excited to be talking to you. Um, and, and Tara, we want to go all the way back to the beginning. Um, now, one of the things that we always talk about with people is, you know, have they watched wrestling from the beginning? How did they get started? Can you tell us when you started watching wrestling? So yeah, I actually was not a lifelong fan, um, and I know whenever I say that, people like boo and hiss, like, oh, how dare you not watch wrestling since you were born. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've actually been a fan since 2008, because I had no idea, like, I had always been in sports, I had always been outside, like, I never watched TV, so I never got, like, I never had the opportunity. And the person I was seeing at the time was a really big wrestling fan. I was like, hey, like, check this out. See if you like it. So that was in December of 2008. It was the first time I had ever seen anything wrestling related. And I started training in March 2009. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so crazy. Like, one year after you started watching, you started training. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was three months later. It was, I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you started in 2009, and that was with Vegas Championship Wrestling, right? Yes, that was the uh, the one school that were out there at the time. Right, so you started at Vegas Championship Wrestling, and you started as a manager, correct? Uh, yes, when I had started, I was managing a person named Phoenix Alexander, different stablemates, or lose stable mates or they didn't really know what to do with me because i was the only girl so they really had they they never trained a girl they'd never been around girls i guess so they, just, they didn't know what to do with me so i started managing um i did a few referees like spots here and there and i really didn't get much ring time as far as like you got a lot of training a lot of show experience i guess from there but nonetheless tara going through that that was actually the place that you had your first match right with one of your trainers if i remember it was tony leo right yes it was my one of i think two matches i ever had there um i had wrestled my uh trainer because like i said they had nothing else for me to do so they started like a little mini feud with him and i um, but the time that we had wrestled, which I love that match, even though looking back at it, of course I was God awful. Um, but it was, it, I, I'm very thankful for that opportunity because I think maybe two, three months after that, the company shut down. So it was, it was a, it was happy. It was a good time for me to be able to do it. And then, you know, before I lost the, uh, the company completely. Yeah. Um, so after Vegas Championship Wrestling, you kind of went into uh, Lucha Pro, 
where you won your first women's championship. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I had moved to Los Angeles in 2011, and I had started wrestling. Wrestle- I can't even talk. Wrestling regularly there. Um, and the company I wrestled for every week was Lucha Pro. It was this tiny little Lucha company that just it maybe drew 20, 30 people, if that. But they were the loudest 20, 30 people you'll ever see. Um, I got to experience like the Lucha Libre culture, and that's where I really fell into Lucha. And they had a bunch of girls that I was able to wrestle. And with that, like they decided, all right, well, let's let's throw in a title, see what happens. And I ended up, I can't remember, I wrestled, I think, Buggy Nova, if I remember correctly, for the title. Um, and it, w- it was kind of cool to be, not only like was I their first women's champion, but I came from outside of that world, and they embraced me, and they were just like, yeah, like let's do this. So it, it really made me happy to to be there and to be their first champ. Yeah, always exciting. Can you talk about what it's like to kind of have that support of a company like you just mentioned, you know, not necessarily being, you know, Lucha Libre coming in, um, but just let alone a company, you know, having that faith in you being the first champion, does that more pressure? Like, what's kind of your thoughts once that happens? It's definitely a lot more pressure, um, especially because the girls that I was wrestling out there, they were a lot better than what I was I guess, used to, um, as far as being out in Vegas. Um, like I said, I was the only girl in Vegas for a long time. So the only interactions I ever had with girls were the ones that would show up at training for like two days and then realize how much it hurts to go. Never mind. So I really didn't get to like deal with girls. So when I finally did, it was kind of, uh, it was intimidating, I guess, even though like I was always bigger than them, even when I was skinny, I'm, I'm huge. I'm very tall. So, I was always bigger than them, and I was just always afraid of everybody because they were, they were good. They were so good. I was brand new. I was trying to make a name for myself somewhere where all these girls had already made a name for themselves, and I had a title. So I'm trying to, like, carry this company on my shoulders while at the same time trying to not show how nervous and excited I was to be around, like, these, these girls that I never thought I'd ever be wrestling. Now, with Lucha Pro, do you have a match that you had that stood out? As far as, like, just a singular match, not really, because I have really bad memory. But I had a lot. But um, I do remember every time I ever wrestled Amanda out there, um, she wrestles now as Mariah Moreno. And it, like, every time I wrestled her, she beat the crap out of me. But I kept, like, I would always have great matches. I remember always being happy after coming to the back from wrestling her and just be like, oh, that was awesome. Like, we did so good. It, that was the feud that got fans, like, really into it. and They really got behind me. It was just, it was awesome wrestling her. And those, those matches are the ones that I always remember and I, I always am thankful for. Yeah, and, and another company that we saw you a lot in on the West Coast um, was Vendetta Pro. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience there, especially being, you know, more of a regular at that company as well? Yeah, um, Veneta Pro was the first, I guess, real wrestling company that I was part of. Um, and this was no shot at, like, Vegas Championship Wrestling. It's just whenever we wrestled, it would be in front of friends and family. They were the first, like, and then Lucha Pro was, like, very, like, set people. But in Vendetta Pro, it traveled, it got to go, like, it did all these different areas 
I got to wrestle in front of thousands of people because of them. And it was so awesome just being in that environment and being around people because they bring in, you know, bigger names. And I got to inter- like I got to interact with bigger names. I got to be in front of these bigger crowds. I just it was a lot of fun. Um, they also let me start doing intergender wrestling there again, which made me happy because when I had left Vegas, I thought my intergender wrestling was done because at the time it wasn't as big. So when they were giving me intergender matches, it really like it made me happy. And it was it was really fun being able to be part of that company and be able to travel up and down California with them. And then you wrestled quite a bit in the West. Um, what was it like wrestling all those talented women in the West Coast? I feel like they have so many great women that don't get talked about enough. Like Buggy Nova, Candice LeRae is from the West Coast. Um, yeah, what was it like wrestling all of those girls? It was it was awesome. It was like I don't want to say it was awesome so much, but it really was. Like it was it was great being able to wrestle girls that had more experience than me and that were better than me because it made me a better person and a better wrestler. And I well, I I love sharing the story of I think it was maybe my fifth match ever. Um, I wrestled with Alice in Danger, and it was terrifying because I knew I knew who Alice in Danger was. I knew that it was like a make or break type thing for me. In my entrance, I tripped and fell flat on my face, and oh, no. I remember <laughs> I remember wrestling. Like I remember getting up and her pointing at me and laughing at me and wrestling, knowing the whole time, like, oh my god, all she can remember is that I fell on my face. Like I that's all I kept thinking throughout the match. And so in my head, I'm like, well, that's it. My wrestling career is over because I just, I wrestled Alice in Danger and I fell on my face. And <laughs> thankfully, she thought it was very funny. She didn't think anything of it. But, you know, like, experiences like that. Like, I got to wrestle Alice in Danger, even if it was very dumb and I fell on my face. I got to wrestle Buggy. I got to wrestle uh, and the there are some great girls out there and I wish they would get a little bit more for sure I, I want to actually transition slightly because it's soon after that that you make your debut on the east coast um, and in <laughs> all transparency Tara it's the first time I see you live because at that point especially just being the independent women's wrestling fan I was in 2012 um, the <laughs> options were limited um, and so <laughs> One of the first matches that I actually see you in is in a match in WSU against Allison Kay. Uh, could you kind of talk about that transition of, you know, wrestling on the East Coast, a, a promotion, being in that debut spot, but especially where for women's wrestling, there are a lot of eyes on. Yeah, that was that was a terrifying experience. Um, so I... And I, I'll, I have no shame in my game. I'll admit it. I flew myself out to uh, to New York because I wanted to wrestle for WSU. I wanted to, like, I guess I wanted to branch out. And I realized I wasn't, no one's going to hire this girl from California that they don't know who she is. So I flew myself out. Um, they told me I would be wrestling Allison Kay. And at the time, Allison was like, and I'm, she still is, but at the time, she was really blowing up. Um, and she was in the stable of the Midwest Militia. So I was very just, I was nervous on that. And then when I got there, um, the promoter was, he was very nice. He was very just like, I guess, welcoming. The girls 
not so much. I had only had a few girls um, on the show. Everyone else couldn't give two craps that I was there. Um, and Allison, was, she was a sweetheart, uh, but she, again, was she's very intimidating. And so I knew that this was one of those times, like, if I mess up, I'm just, it, it's going to be the end of me. Um, I remember, I do, like I said, I have a really bad memory, so I can't remember everything that happened in the match. But I do remember it being a very normal, like, I didn't do too bad. I didn't, it wasn't my breakout performance. Um, but I do remember getting the entire crowd to sing my entrance, which made me happy. Because what else would I do when I'm coming out to uh, I Love Rock and Roll? You know, being in front of a new crowd and being doing something that you get to see the different styles were out on the East Coast versus out on the West Coast. It was, it was a good experience being able to do all that and to say, like, hey, I, I did it once because at the time I had no plans on coming back unless they had asked me to so it was it was definitely a cool experience and in, in interacting with the girl yeah it, w- it was a fun nice experience uh very scary <laughs> totally fair now i want to kind of transition a little bit because you know we got to talk about the hard stuff too um you know injuries are never a fun part of the wrestling business um, and especially can, you know, be some scary things. Um, one of the injuries that, you know, we know that you had suffered um, was kind of a pretty intense knee injury. Um, could you kind of tell us about, you know, how that happened and, and what that's like, you know, knowing that you have an injury like that? Yeah, um, I, again, was, not, I didn't, this time I had planned a little better. I had made some connections with some friends out here to do like a mini tour um, on the East Coast where I was able to hit three companies in a row. Um, I did the first two all fine and dandy. And then my last one was wrestling in respect. I had, when I started like watching wrestling, I had fallen head over heels with Chikara. I was that's what I want to do. I want to be in that company. And so, Chikara did this thing for a while. They broke off into smaller groups called Wrestling Is, and each one had a different name. I finally somehow managed to get myself on Wrestling Is Respect. Um, they put me against Veda Scott, who I did not, I didn't know who she was at the time. I didn't, like, I was just, it was completely foreign to me. And I was like, all right, like, we're going to go into this. We're just going to do the best we can. Uh, everything was fine. We called a, g- a good match. And then two minutes into the match, I don't even say two minutes. I would say one minute into the match. She rolls out of the ring and I go to chase her. And when I jumped off the apron, my foot had caught on the ring skirt. So when I fell, my foot did not. And it completely just like it, my leg was pointing in the wrong direction, basically. Um, and they, a bunch of the guys in the locker room came out, they carried me to the back and I was taken to the hospital. I found out that, um, I had torn my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, and the, uh, patella was in a locked position that it wasn't supposed to be in. It was in like an up position that it wasn't supposed to be in. Um, and so right then and there, I had to be, I was, I sent home um, and I had to deal with the fact that I couldn't walk for a few months and then I couldn't 
I couldn't run for who knows after that. And it was just, it was scary when I had known that I had hurt myself, but it was even more scary when I finally talked to my physical therapist and the first day of physical therapy before she had even when she saw my x-ray she saw my mri she saw everything she said that there was no way i was ever going to wrestle again just because of how much damage i had done and wow. it was just it broke my spirit i was like that's that's i just started wrestling like what do you mean i can't wrestle and um i always had that in my head even though i was supposed to do the physical therapy i believe for four months and they kicked me out around one because I was already doing the things that I was supposed to be doing in the four-month mark. I was already doing them in the one-month mark. So they're like, oh, like, you don't need us anymore. Just go home, rest up, um, and then we'll do it as we go, like, for your checkups. So I took about a year off before I came back, um, and I had opted not to get the surgery because the surgery would have ended up taking two years off, and I was just, you know what, like, I, I'm also definitely terrified of being in surgery. Like, I'm, I've always been afraid of it. So I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to wear the knee brace and call it a day. And so that's why I've got a giant metal knee brace on my knee to this day, because I've never gotten it fixed. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so, like, intense and scary to, like, go through. I can't even imagine. But, it, it was not fun. <laughs> yeah. But um, after your recovery, um, shortly afterwards, you moved over to the East Coast from the West Coast. Um, how was that transition? So this is the, the part where I normally would just go, I needed to change the scenery. So I went to the East Coast and started anew. And that's where I normally tell people. Um, I've alluded to it on my social media and also in the dropkick depression book that I wrote an article in. Um, but from 2011 until 2016, 15, 2015, um, I was in a severely abusive relationship. I was being told every day of my life that I was a piece of crap and I'm going to, I'm not use curse words, but a piece of crap that he hoped that I died um, that he hoped I would get killed by, like, driving home. These are things that I was hurting. Um, I had on him at one point because I thought he was legitimately going to kill me. Um, and because of the way that I had been treated, I attempted to kill myself. And because of that, all, like, everything happening and me realizing that if I continued to be in this relationship, I was going to be dead either by myself or by him. And I couldn't take it anymore. And I couldn't have, like, I just, I couldn't feel that anymore. And so one day my and I made my stepfather drive from Las Vegas to California to pick me up. And he drove me to Las Vegas. And I knew if I stayed here, something was going to happen. Either he was going to find me, I was going to try to go back. Something was going to happen. So I literally grabbed a duffel bag of stuff. And I shipped a box and I moved to Pennsylvania because I knew I had to get away from it. Wow. That's, 
That's incredible. Like just the strength that you have to do that is amazing. People have told me that about like, you know, it's really strong to, to get up and walk away. And even to this day, like years later, I still feel like I was weak um, because I let myself get put into that position because I'd always watch like any, you know, cops or Maury or Jerry Springer, like all these guys treat her like crap. Like why would they stay? And then I have scars on my body that I'll never be able to get rid of because of that relationship. And yet, you know, so it just, it makes me feel like I was weak in that moment. And so it's weird to me when people say like, oh, you were strong. I was like, no, because I let it happen. But, you know, and I, I've always wanted to like, not hide it, but I've always, I've never wanted to outwardly talk about it um, because of the fact that even now I still feel weak. Like, I still feel like it's like, I don't know, like, I guess that it was my fault that I let it happen. Um, but if me saying something has make just makes something click in someone else's brain that's going through the same thing of like hey i can't take this anymore then it's worth talking about you are an absolute queen and i refuse to let anybody say anything to the contrary yourself included Um, yes and we appreciate you even opening up um about it and so please everybody if you're ever in that situation make sure you get the help that you need um i'm glad that you had the support to be able to get through it um (laughs) do you want to move a little bit forward um and and move into pro wrestling magic um one of the companies that you know you really kind of got a chance to truly shine in um you know you become the first ever um, pro wrestling magic women's champion defeating uh, a fellow friend to the site Deanna Perrazzo um, <laughs> talk to us about that moment um, and not only again becoming a women's champion but being the first ever a- at a company like pro wrestling magic it it was such a cool experience to be told like hey you're now you're here now you're our champ like it was so weird because I had just come from somewhere where I had to make a name for myself. Now here I am again. I had to make a name for myself again. And they were all about it from day one. They were like, you're great. We love you. Um, you know, you're reliable. You're, you do these, like, it's all these things. And I was just like, that's so like weird because I'm new, but okay. And then at the time, Deanna, um, I knew that Deanna was starting to get a little bit of notice because she was so young in the business, but was already so good. And people were starting to notice that. And so when they said, like, hey, you're going to be you're going to be wrestling Deanna for the for the belt. It was just that's, you know, that's so neat because she's been wrestling way less than me. But she, she could go circles around me like this girl's incredible. And so. When I actually finally got down to meeting her, she was, the, I know I don't have to tell you guys this, but she's the sweetest, nicest girl I've ever met. She just wants, she's so happy and she just wants to wrestle and just wants to have good matches. And so it was, it was great to be able to wrestle her for something so big and so important to me. And it, I think the match went well, but of course I'm my own harshest critic, so I'm sure it was probably better than I think it was. But I think it went well. Um, and she seemed happy. I seemed happy. The promotion seemed happy. So it all worked out. But it's weird now looking back 
because pro wrestling magic has blown up into something like a little like mini phenomenon in New Jersey. And so it's kind of cool to be like, yeah, like you're big and bad now, but you know, back in the day, it was me, like it was me and Juan Francisco de Coronado, like holding those <laughs> titles and, and really like, you know, and it just, it's cool to be part of something like that from day one. And now to see it so big and so popular. Absolutely. Now, Tara, help me kind of put together the timeline here. So you become the champion in pro wrestling magic in 2015. Now mm-hmm. in 2016, we face another huge injury. Am I correct in that? <laughs> uh, yes, it was 2016. Now, were you still the champion at the time that this injury happened? I was still the champion. Um, I was actually the champion of two promotions at the time. Um, and one promotion, when I called them and notified them what had happened, they were like, okay, like, no worries. We'll, we'll take care of it when we get to it. And then I notified Magic, and they did the same thing. But the one thing, and I will say this, um, even though, like, I'm not on bad terms with them at all, uh, like, I still love everybody there, including the management, but I told them, hey, just so you know, I'm injured. This is what happened. This is how, like, this is the timeline. And then I would say not even an hour later, they posted online that they took that they stripped me of the title and that they'll have a title match. And it's kind of like, that's a little messed up. Like, I'm dealing with all of this. You could have been like, hey, we're just so you know, we're going to publicly post this. Um, but they didn't really give me a heads up after telling me like, hey, we'll, we'll figure it out. So it kind of bummed me out a little bit, especially being their first champion. I was like, that's not nice. Yeah. But... You know, like, yeah. whatever. crap happens. <laughs> yeah, but let's let's talk about this injury because this is is pretty big. Um, so you're at CZW Dojo Wars. Mm-hmm. You're in a match. Mm-hmm. Walk us through what happens. Um. Well, as everyone knows, pro wrestling is a uh, is a choreographed thing. So I had told my opponent when he had called a German suplex, I said, okay, I will jump, you know, whatever. And he goes, no, I'm going to throw you. I said, no, like you don't have to do that. I understand. I'm a big girl. I understand that people don't think that I can get up high enough or that I can do it, but I promise you I'm very good at it. Like taking Germans is my suit. Like it's my specialty. I was like, I can do it. He's like, no, I'm going to throw you. Please do not throw me. I am going to jump. I was under the understanding that we were good. So we go to the spot. He goes for the German. He throws me as hard as he can while I'm jumping, which then throws me off. So I end up landing on the back of my head. I landed on the back of my head. I basically popped back up onto my knees, which worked out because the next spot was supposed to be a kick to the back. So as I pop up, he comes around and he kicks me and this is a full on as hard as he can kick kicks me in the back of the neck and the foot wraps around my neck. I don't know if it was the German, if it was the kick or if it was a combination of the two, but the combination of those two or one or the other ended up causing all of the muscles in my neck to tear. So let's, let's take a second, though, before we go too much further, because the match ends, and do you recognize that this is what's happened? Like, do you feel this? Like, when do you notice that, like, it's real? 
So after the match, I I realized I couldn't turn my neck. Um, and I was just like, okay, I'm sore, whatever. And I, I told him that. I was like, hey, I can't turn my neck. I told my boyfriend, like, I can't turn my neck. But everyone was just like, no, it's just, it's sore, it's sore. I was in a lot of pain, like way more than I'm used to. Um, and I just figured because it was a very rough match. I don't know why it was that rough, but it was. And so I was, you know, I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought I was sore. I went on about another week or so, um, and I still couldn't turn my neck. And I was like, this is weird. I was still always in pain. I was basically taking ibuprofen like it was Skittles. Um, and I think the next weekend I ended up seeing Deanna and I had wrestled her that night and I told her like, look, I can't do much because my neck is still, it hurts so much. Like I, I, I would cry like in the car on the way to shows or on the way to work because it hurts so much just to hold my head up. And so I, I talked to her about it. We wrestled that night. And after the match, I was just hysterical crying because I was in so much pain. And Deanna got into my face and was like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, I don't care what's wrong. You need to find out. Like, you need to go. You need to promise me you're going to go to the hospital. And being typical, stubborn me, I was like, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go. I didn't plan on going, but the next day at work, I couldn't breathe. I was sitting there, and then it felt like someone was choking me. It felt like someone was wrapping their hands around my neck, and I couldn't breathe. My boss rushed me to the hospital, which happened to be not that far. It was, like, a few blocks away. Um, and they, they, I told them I couldn't breathe. It felt like there was something choking me. I, like, ripped my shirt because I was trying to get everything away from my neck. They did the x-rays and the MRIs and everything, and they had found out that I had ripped everything in my neck it wasn't that i had broken any of the vertebrae even though one of the vertebrae um on the bottom was popped out like it was in a weird spot um but i had torn everything and because i continued to wrestle and i continued to move around and i didn't have like, i continued to hold my head up it caused the muscles in my neck to spasm which caused them to inflate and when they inflated it cut off my airways Jeez. <laughs> so <laughs> I could have very like if that had happened when I was sleeping rather than at work, I could have very well died. Um, but because I happened to be at work and we noticed like something was wrong. Um, and so when I like it's easier to just say I broke my neck rather than saying I tore everything inside of my neck and then like it they spasm. Like it's it is easier to say that I broke it because I did dislocate one vertebrae. Um but yeah, it it was terrifying um, because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I was ever going to wrestle again. I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to do this again because just sitting in the car hurt, going to work hurt, everything hurt. Um, and so I had to continue to follow up with that doctor. And after uh, like seven-ish months, eight-ish months, um, they did another x-ray to see if I needed to get surgery. She said, they will either repair themselves or you're going to need surgery. And it turned out that around the seven-month mark, my muscles did start to repair themselves. Um, so I did not need the surgery. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I said that if I had gotten the surgery, I was never going to wrestle again. Um, but I also think I might regret not 
going in for surgery or getting a second look because my neck still hurts every single day. So thank you for that, CZW Dojo Wars. <laughs> so after having two major injuries, um, what is your mindset like returning to wrestling after that? It's definitely very different because now not only do I have to worry about my knee, which my knee, I think, pops out at least once every match, but it's so quick that it's just like, oh, okay, there it goes. Like, I'm so used to it. Um, but I'm very cautious now. With, um, and I've and everyone sees me wrestle. Like, I'm not taking it easy in any way. I just Heck make no. sure that I, yeah, <laughs> I make sure that I feel safe in any situation, even if it's doing a death match. I need to make sure I know I'm safe. Um, and so it's it's very it's a scary thing, like going in there and having to trust someone, even if it's someone that I've just met. Um, it's it's a scary thing, but I'm not gonna let it stop me. Like I I can't let it stop me because I want to keep wrestling. Look, we're going to talk about those death matches in a little bit. We'll get there. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, but do you kind of want to talk about one of the first matches you have coming back from that neck injury? And it's actually back at WSU, um, the 10th year anniversary. Um, I actually remember this because at this point, there's this whole big feud going on with Chrissy Rivera and Leva Bates um, mm-hmm. and, and Sue Young. And, and Chrissy is saying she has a special opponent for Leva Bates. Um, and, and you end up being that special opponent in this big return. Can you kind of talk to us what it's like going back into that ring, having that big moment, um, especially after, you know, thinking you might not ever wrestle again? It was, it was really cool. Like I cannot thank Blake enough, um, for letting me come into WSU and be part of that. Um, I did not tell anyone anything about my neck. I, like, as far as, like, I didn't tell anyone that I was coming back to wrestling. I didn't tell, I didn't advertise it, nothing. Um, I got gear made behind everyone's back, and I, I just started, you know, working out behind everyone's back. And then when I showed up, I was, I got hit with those nerves of no one's going to know who I am, or no one's going to care that I'm back, or it's not going to be anything. And so, it's like, it's it was kind of, I guess, more scary than the fact that I was wrestling again. Like, it was just, it was more scary thinking that they were just going to be like, who the hell is this girl versus, oh my God, my neck. Um, especially because I'm, I, there, I know the size difference between Leva and I, so I knew I was fine in that department. Um, and so I finally, like, it finally came time. Um, and when I came out the curtain, a few people still didn't know who I was because I had never worn the T-Rex head before. So a few people didn't know what was going on when I came out. And then when I stood up and I took the dinosaur helmet off and people saw it was me, I did get a very small but very, very thankful um, welcome back chant. Um, And that made my night. Uh, The match was not good. I'm not going to try and tell anyone that it was. It was not good because you can tell that I was apprehensive about my wrestling abilities at the time. Um, but it was still a way for me to be able to be like, Hey, hey I'm back. I'm here to, to, you know, to do something and let's do this. So a little bit after your WSU return, you kind of started with uh, WWR who they're a great promotion and you've had some 
great matches with people like Ali Rex, uh, Maria Manic, and Skyler. Um, <laughs> what is it like wrestling for WWR? What is it like having the fans literally be maybe what two feet away from you in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's they're so close. <laughs> <laughs> the I tell um, WWR and I tell management there that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't still be wrestling because everyone knows that wrestling's full of drama and full of crap and re- wrestling is just a giant high school gymnasium. And so I got really down on wrestling and I got the opportunity to do a Beyond taping um, up in Massachusetts. And when I did the Beyond taping, I I guess I impressed enough to where I was reaching out to WWR. And I just, in my head, it was, oh my God, you're going to be working for Beyond. Because that's basically, that is what WWR is. Just, it's Beyond. It's just for girls. And in my head, I was, oh my God, this is so much pressure. Oh my God. And the day I got there, it was like we had all been friends before. Like, Everyone there was so nice. Everyone there gets along. There's no drama. There's no crap. Everyone just wants to have fun, wants to wrestle. I showed up my first day. Um, I I had a great match. I believe the first one was against Skylar, if I remember correctly. You um, do. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> great match uh, with her. And then the crowd threw me for a loop because the crowd was super wrestling. Res- super nice everyone just see like in the match at like when they would come up to me after the match and be very respectful very nice it just it threw me off because normally wrestling fans can be nasty sometimes so it's like okay like all right the second time i came out another good match crowd great management great it just it's such a great atmosphere and now i get to deal with you know being i've been there for a while now and I get to have great matches. I don't think I've had a bad match there. I keep having great matches because he keeps putting me with girls that just want to just want to wrestle. And it's it's really revitalized my love for wrestling being there. You mean like that time you got Samoan dropped on a chair? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll call it out because you know I'm gonna jump ahead now at this point because I feel like now we're just gonna go to the natural transition here. <laughs> So, jumping ahead, you've recently, very recently, it was either, what, last weekend or the weekend before, had a lovely little match that, if I recall correctly, you and I had actually discussed beforehand, separately and privately, (laughs) um, that some people, like, called a death match. And for those of our listeners at home who might not know (laughs) what a death match is, could you elaborate to everyone on what that is? So, deathmatch wrestling is above and beyond the funnest and scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, it deathmatch wrestling will always end up with one, if not both, people bleeding. Um, there, there's glass, there's light tubes, there's cinder blocks, there's tacks, there's there's literally anything you can think of that. Sh- shouldn't be in a wrestling ring in a wrestling ring and being <laughs> so you have this wonderful little match that i have <laughs> found the gifts of 
<laughs> um, and you know, it happened. And but you have somebody standing across from you who you actually know pretty well. Am I correct in that? Uh, if you mean no pretty well, um, if, if you mean marrying, then yeah. Yeah, so your fiancé <laughs> is on the other side of the ring, and I believe there's a spot where you throw a cinder block at his crotch. Like, I'm pretty sure that happens. It does. So, with all of this, can you just elaborate on, I don't know, why, why? <laughs> Um, so this is going to sound incredibly weird, but wrestling Jeff in a death match was probably the safest I've ever felt in a, in a match because it's not because I think that granted. Yes. I think Jeff's an amazing wrestler. I think Jeff is a better, even better death match wrestler. But I also think Jeff doesn't want to deal with me bitching and complaining that I'm in pain or that I got hurt. So I knew he'd take care of me. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh it was called a death do us part match. Um and it was the only death match on an intergender show at the gathering of the juggalos, which was an experience. Um and it was just one of those things where, you know, if you have pent up aggression for not putting the toilet seat down type thing, you can take care of it. But yeah, you it can was, throw a cinder block at them. Totally fair. And you can throw a cinder block. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's totally fine. <laughs> all right, fine. I'll let you have that one. But I want you to know I still stand by all of my deathmatch comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So we'll go back um, yeah. to where we were supposed to be, but it was just too natural for me to not talk about it. Yeah. Um, so another company that you've been regularly featured in over on the East Coast is NYWC. Um, and in particular, you have been in hot pursuit of the Starlets Championship um, that has been held for a record-breaking time by Willow Nightingale. Um, but you've had quite a few matches with her there. Can you talk about your experience there and wrestling Willow for the title? So I was brought in uh, for or to NYWC to be part of the Awakening, um, which was a large group of deathmatch wrestlers that ended up being uh, like it, the huge payoff was that we got to wrestle inside um, a cage that was covered with weapons, and it was it was it's called the Psycho Circus, and it's a deathmatch. Um, okay, I had done so, <laughs> I had done so well. <laughs> leading up to that that they were like well we're gonna let you wrestle because i mean she's a champ and you're a girl why not uh, i had wrestled willow once before before i started wrestling her actively a lot at nywc and we just got along great and we have good chemistry and so when they put us together at nywc the first match we did really well and they were like holy crap like that was so good let's let's do it again next month and again we just we work so well together and we're on like such the same page that it just, it's, it's great. And, um, so they, they really took a liking to me being able to like, just have, have great matches with their champion. And I think, I thank them for letting me be there all the time now because they've become a second family. Right. And then you were involved in the, uh, masters of the mat four way first time ever women's one. Um, what was it like wrestling in that type of match? And I believe you wrestled earlier that night too. 
for a different promotion, and then you quickly made it to NYWC and wrestled a really long match? <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, match at Pro Wrestling Magic in New Jersey against Catred. And we wrestled for like 10 minutes or so. And the second I walked through that curtain, I grabbed my bag and I ran to the car. And we had to drive two hours to Long Island to make it to NYWC. Um, NYWC was having Masters of the Mat um, for, the, for the women for the first time. And it was myself, Willow, Davy Ann, and Gabby Ortiz. And I had wrestled Davy once before I believe I had wrestled Willow a bunch I had never met Gabby so it was very like stressful having to drive down there I'm trying to like text Willow things like ideas things that I wanted to do and it just it was terrifying and then you get there they're like yeah you have to wrestle 30 minutes and that building is notoriously hot it's so hot for no reason (laughs) oh my god it is literally the hottest building in the world like, I've been there, and you literally, like, pour sweat just sitting there. So I can't imagine wrestling. Yeah, it's unnecessary how hot that building is. Like, it's just, it's rude. And yeah. it's, so we get out there, and we have all this stuff, like, ready to go. And you just, you don't realize how fast and also how slow 30 minutes goes. Because you go through everything that you were supposed to do, and then you look up at the clock, and you got 15 minutes left, and you're like, well, now what? <laughs> but it was it was amazing to be able to, one, show everybody that just because I'm a big girl doesn't mean that I don't have great cardio, um, and two, be something, part of something that's so historic and so, like, neat. Absolutely. Now, want to jump ahead again, because... As you may or may not know, I have a favorite home promotion, um, and that would be a promotion that you recently started um, appearing at back in March, and that is Nova Pro Wrestling. Um, now, back in March, you faced Faye Jackson in a one-on-one match, um, a match that we have since seen again at WWR, um, but nonetheless, a, a big first match, and honestly a huge ovation for both of you guys after that match. And it was the third or fourth match on the card. Um, talk about your experience, um, especially just debuting at Nova pro. So I was genuinely very nervous um, because it was an all women show. And for some reason I get more nervous on all women shows than I do all men shows. Um, and I had never met, 90% of the people that were there I was actually like when I showed up with Jeff I was kind of not hiding behind him but hiding behind him because I was just like I don't know any of these people this is terrifying um and that was I think the second time I'd never even met Faye and I was I was so nervous I was I don't know it, it was stressful and then um we kind of figured out what we were going to do and I had never been around this crowd before and I didn't know what to expect and the match that we ended up having like I it's still one of my favorite matches to this day and it's still one that people bring up to me because it was like because of how much they loved it um and it really just it made me fall in love with being there just because the feeling that I get whenever I'm there so it's it's an amazing promotion and I'm so glad to be part of it even if I'm actively trying to destroy it. 
so let's transition to that naturally. <laughs> um, so with that, you know, you have this incredible match um, in March and, and we go and we head into June and we haven't seen you for a couple of months. And the next thing we know, our dear friend Angela Lane says she has a special person to team up with her in a six person tag match. And it's Tara Calloway. And, you know, since then, you've teamed with Harlow O'Hara. You, like I mentioned, teamed with Angel Slane. We've created this trio known as Gothic. Um, can you kind of tell us about your experience now working in, in a trio, working as that stable, um, and continuing to work at Nova? So I've never been part of a stable where I wasn't the manager. So it's definitely so cool being part of the, the trio of, amazing girls like I love both those girls um that we get to just come in and wreck things um Angela Lane is one of my best friends so when she all right (laughs) (laughs) she's the best and when I uh when I was told like hey this is what's happening I couldn't be happier because now I get to be in my natural state which is a very destructive goofball um, that I get to tag, I get to be with both these girls that are amazing. I get to do all these opportunities where I can have six man tags or we can do tag. It's just, it's so cool being part of something that is continuously changing. Like you never know, is it going to be these two? Is it going to be these two? You know, for a fact that if one of us is having a single, the other two are very close by. It's just, it's such a fun thing to be able to run with this destructive little ball. And we will see you at Nova Pro's Harlem Nights on Saturday, July 28th at the Arlington Fairfax Elks Lodge, where you will take on Veda Scott in singles action. Um, What are your thoughts about the match? So, I've never said this before, except for to people in private, but I always actively said I would never get in the ring to wrestle Veda again. And it had nothing to do with Veda. It was the fact that I am superstitious, and when I hurt my knee, it was against Veda. Whereas she had nothing to do with the injury, like, whatsoever. It was all my fault. Um, But now it's a superstition thing that's kind of in the back of my head. But I'm excited, because I'm excited to show the superstition who's boss. I'm excited to beat up Veda Scott. And I'm excited to uh, continue to show up at Nova and have the matches that I've been having there. And I'm, you know, I know it's going to be creative because she's a weird cat and I'm a dinosaur. And what can't go wrong with a cat versus a dinosaur? I mean, come on. Totally fair. And I will always be happy to be y'all's commentator till the end of time. Um, (laughs) But I do kind of want to go and talk about something that we've, we've kind of highlighted a little bit because... You know, Tara, I feel one of the things is, is where are you not on a weekend? I feel like you're one of those people who literally shows up in five places at once, um, <laughs> mostly because you're booked at five different places on a Saturday and still show up to all of them. Um, and so can you just kind of talk to us through, you know, what's it like to do a double shot where you are in Jersey at one hour and you need to be on Long Island. Um, you know, how does that work and, and how do, how do you make that happen and still do it so well? Uh, I don't know. 
know if I do it well because I'm definitely a mess until the second match ends. Um, <laughs> but it is, um, it's a lot of me two days before making sure I have everything and then the next day unpacking everything and then repacking everything to make sure I have everything. And then the day of doing the exact same thing. Um, double shots I'm always very nervous about because the timing has to be perfect. The, you know, no mess ups can happen. No injuries can happen. I can't forget a single thing. I have to have both sets of gear, just everything. And you have to, I guess, <laughs> you got to coordinate with the promoters. You got to make sure, hey, you need to know that I'm on early and you need to know that I'm on late. And it's, it is very stressful, but it's also so much fun because you can pull off some really cool things where, hey, I'm at this show and then, oh my God, I just popped up at this show and, surprise it just it's a lot of fun but it's definitely the most stressful experience that anyone can have and i'm i hate doing it but i seem to be doing it more and more often (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um we talked about this a little bit earlier um you are the head of dropkick depression um do you want to take the floor and Tell all the listeners what it says about, how they can get involved in everything. Absolutely. Um, I started Dropkick Depression because, like I had mentioned before, I was being told that I was a piece of garbage, that I would never amount to anything, that no one loved me. And it caused something in my brain to now think that I am those things, that I, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve friendship or love. Um, and it, it really brought me down. And when I finally snapped one day and I posted on Twitter, I have depression, this is what happened. And it just blew up with people going, thank you for Sarah for saying something, you know, this made me realize that I should talk about my problems. And like people were reaching out to me just because I said that I had depression. And I realized if I can do just that if I could just talk about it and it help other people why can't I do it on a bigger stage why can't I do it you know more often why can't I make this a thing and so I found a dropkick depression which originally was supposed to just be I guess more of a forum where people could talk and people could see that wrestlers are everyday people too and wrestlers can go through depression just as much as anyone else and it's now turned into something where we're raising money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I just finished a donation drive for local homeless individuals. I just, I am trying to turn this into something so much more because of the amount of love and the amount of like push that people around me have been giving me. And it's, it makes me so happy that even if I only help one person, it, it means the world to me. And I won't say his name, but one of the wrestlers that, um, it was, it was actually at Nova before I was wrestling there. It was when Jeff was wrestling there. One of the wrestlers came up to me and pulled me aside and said that because of what I was doing with dropkick depression, he went to a doctor. He's finally on antidepressant meds and he's never been happier. And now he's one of the more popular people in the United States. And it's like, Stuff like that blows my mind that I was ever able to influence anyone in that way. And I really want, I want to do that for as many people as I humanly possibly can. 
Well, let's talk about this for a second because, Tara, you're too humble and way too nice to brag on yourself. So I'll do it for you because (laughs) this donation drive has been huge. Um, And so there have been, you know, people taking things that I've seen from Nova Pro and I'm seeing all these pictures and you're taking all these pictures. I just did a rough count of the final count of everything that you brought and you had over 2,500 items that you donated. (laughs) Um, And so... The incredible work that you're doing with Dropkick Depression, um, absolutely incredible. Um, But also want to talk about with Dropkick Depression, you have been putting on wrestling shows for that. Um, So we know we've had one. You've got another one coming up in September. Can you talk to us about the September event? Yeah, um, the September event is just like the first one. It's going to be uh, for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. All of the wrestlers um, that are on the show have either experienced depression or have attempted suicide or have anxiety or have dealt with someone that's done one of the three. Um, So everyone on the show is on the show for a reason. And it's not one of those, like, I'm bringing in a big celebrity. Everybody there wants to be there for that reason. And it's very family-friendly. It's very... It's it's just there to make everyone have a good time and forget the world for a little bit. Um, I have a, um, it's a, there's, I'm dealing with a school as well as a boys and girls club for children that are more underprivileged that all of the tickets that have been going through our sponsor seat program, all of our tickets are going to go to them and their family so that those kids can have a night out and forget about their troubles for a little bit. Um, and I've also donated about 30 tickets to a USO that specializes in, um, uh, families that have lost someone in active military duty. Um, so those tickets have also gone to them. So it's just the fans that are there are there to forget their worries for a night. The wrestlers are there to try and, you know, forget their worries for a night. And it's all for a good cause to go to the American foundation for suicide prevention. Absolutely. I know. I'm happy that I was able to donate a seat. And if anybody is able to donate a seat, Tara, how can they go about doing that? You can go onto the ticketing website, which is borntofight.brownpapertickets.com. You can also, I'm going to fix the website because the website only has the tickets um, for sitting or for you to purchase the seat. But I'll fix the website, uh, dropkickdepression.com, so that you can also do sponsor seat through our website and we will also put the link in the post of this so go back to our post we will put the link here um incredible cause and incredible work that you're doing tara and so we appreciate it here um so very excited that we were able to talk to you about that um do want to turn it slightly back to you um, because we did also get a question. We've talked about WWR. Um, and so there was actually somebody who just posted to the site asking, you know, if you were able to have a dream match at WWR, who do you want to face? Jessica Havoc. Woo. Going big uh, right off the bat. Because for my entire wrestling career, even when I was every, from when I was skinny to when I, my biggest to my original gimmick to now being a dinosaur, no matter what has happened in my wrestling career, I have always been called a poor man's Jessica Havoc. Everyone always says that I look like Jessica, that I work like Jessica. Everything about me screams Jessica. 
Jessica and I know this. We, we, we have talked about this, that everyone says this. And I finally want that opportunity to show people that not only am I not Jessica Havoc, but that I can have a great match with Jessica Havoc and do it in my own way. And there's no hate whatsoever in that direction. It's just that I want to show people I am my own person. Here I am. And I'm going to show you against the person that you keep saying I am that I am completely different. Absolutely. And so taking that even a step further, um, what are kind of your goals for, you know, your wrestling career? (laughs) So I might, I might bum you out on this one. If you Um, say death matches, I'm done. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. Uh, but it might bum you out more than that. Um, I've always, since day one, have known that when I was 30, I was going to stop wrestling. Um, I've always, I want to be that person that has all the babies and has the, the home and all that. And so I just turned 28 this year. So I've got l- less than two years left in wrestling. And with those... Oh. <laughs> With those two years, I want to attempt to go to Japan. I want to go to Mexico. And I want to go to the UK. I want to wrestle as many people as I possibly can, men or women. I want to wrestle everybody. Um, and I just want to travel as much as possible. I'm not trying to get signed. I'm not trying to do anything big like that. I just want to travel and wrestle as many matches as humanly possible before I quit. So. Do you have any coming bookings in the next few weeks? Oh, man. <laughs> my August is even busier than my July, and Ooh. I didn't think that was humanly possible. You got more double shots, Tara. Uh, no more double shots, thank God. <laughs> oh, as of right now, things could change. Um, but I do put my, my schedule up regularly on all of my social medias. I'm going to do it again today, actually. Um, but I will be in Rhode Island. I will be in New York. I will be in New Jersey, Virginia, uh, Ooh, Massachusetts, Virginia. everything in the next month. So. Yeah, definitely. And if you guys haven't seen Tara Calloway, first of all, if you can't tell she's an incredible human, then I don't know what you've been listening to. Um, but second of all, incredible, incredible talent to watch in the ring. Um, but Tara, for all of our fans at home who are listening and now want to learn more about you, learn more about dropkick depression, where can they find you on social media? On, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and, um, Snapchat, it's at Tara Calloway, T-E-R-R-A-C-A-L-A-W-A-Y. There's only one L. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm, I'm maxed out on friends, but I do have a fan page, which you can find facebook.com slash the Tara Calloway. Um, and yeah, you can find me on all those. And if you can't find me on any of those, just go to terracalloway.com. It has all the links to my social media on there, but I'm sure you can find it. <laughs> absolutely. Tara, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We absolutely adore you. Um, and thank you so much for telling your story. We appreciate it so much. Everybody go follow Tara if you're not already. She's so wonderful. Um, Tara, she thanks really again. <laughs> I love you both. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, we love you. Thank you so much.